Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Good morning. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, this fine uh, 11th of May 2023. How are you? This fine Thursday. What an amazing day it's been and is going to be. Hope you're doing okay. Uh, I'm in London. I just came from uh, Athens, Greece, where I was for the fantastic first installment, first inaugural edition of uh, Devox Greece. Fun show, great show, amazing venue, amazing community, amazing uh, everything. Uh, you know, and you can't beat the Mediterranean in springtime, uh, you know, in ter- for weather. Uh, it's just, it's a charmed life uh, there. And, um, and now I'm in jolly London, uh, where the weather is decidedly less cooperative but still quite nice it's not actually cold or anything just a little wet and uh yeah it's just an amazing amazing show i'm in devux uk all right and devux uk is one of my favorite shows i mean really good i've served on its program committee over many many years i'm not on it this year but i've i'm a big fan and uh i you know it's one of the few shows that i will get to if 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 at all possible right it's one of the um i have uh you know i have feel a personal uh uh obligation to it uh, because it's just such a good show it is really good it's run by uh, one of my all-time favorite people mark hazel and uh, just a good show just really really fantastic so i i love the community there i love i love i love everything about it and of course uh, there are you know very few places that have as strong a java community as here in london right the london java community is second i think to none uh, not maybe maybe new york uh, but i think it's probably ahead of san francisco the bay area silicon valley you know um, and, I, and that's a weird thing to say, to think about, right? Like Java was born in the Bay Area, and yet uh, I would be surprised if uh, London doesn't actually have more Java champions, uh, for example. So it's just an amazing, amazing event. You can see that in the quality, the caliber of the talks. Save me, of course. I mean, save for my presentation. Obviously, I'm the uh, the, uh, the dregs in the barrel there. But, but either way, just an amazing show. I'm really, really excited to be here. I'm off to Germany. Um... I'll be speaking at a Java user group there. I, I'll put that in the uh, in my Twitters. You can well, actually, I did put it in Twitter, so you can find it there. Uh, and then I'm off to uh, beautiful Barcelona, Spain, for Spring IO, um, another sort of almost you know Mediterranean kind of country. Beautiful weather. Can't wait for that too. Uh, and then I'm off to uh, Belgrade, uh, Serbia, for IT Connect, which is another fantastic show. So if you're out and about, if you're in any of those places, find me. It's gonna be fine. We'll have fun, uh, friends. I, um, I have a great guest today, the one, the only, the amazing, the illustrious, uh, James Ward, who actually recorded this episode with me, this, this discussion, uh, I think at Kotlin Conf last month, so about a month ago, right, and, uh, um, I just, I hope you get to get something out of it, it's a lot of fun, James Ward's been on the show a number of times now, like, I don't know, a handful of times, he's one of my favorite, uh, people, so he's one of my favorite guests, uh, and as a result, I tend to have him on, and he's always got something useful and interesting and insightful to say. Uh, and this time we're at Kotlin Conf, and as he is the Kotlin program manager at Google, you know, his uh, perspective is valuable. So, friends, let's dive right into it. Enjoy, and as always, we'll see you next week. Yeah? Oh, it says we're live. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, normally I would do, like, the music and all that, but I didn't even bother this time. I just... Let's just dive right into it. And if people are late, they're late. Well, I mean, it's also, I mean, we're late. We, I started this thing. I was supposed to start like 
three minutes ago. So I'm just, okay. I just want people to like imagine that there was waiting music and right. they had a chance to queue up, you know? And it's uh, totally not my fault. That one is. Anyway. So you're, you're in Atlanta. I'm yeah. Home in Colorado. But tomorrow we will intersect in our delightful travels. How's that? Are you going Colin to? Kampf. Colin Kampf. Next week. Tomorrow? Not tomorrow. Next week. Oh, you said, I thought you said tomorrow. Yeah. Did I no, misunderstood? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what I said, but yeah. next week we will intersect. Yeah. 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 It's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. We're going to be at Kotlin Kampf in the Netherlands. Amsterdam. Uh, I'm hoping I see some tulips because I don't know if it's tulip season yet, but I want to see those tulips, you know? It's like the know, thing. The kind of run, the kind of airport flight. Hey, Thomas, good to see you. The kind of uh, airline run that you and I used to be able to do with before the the, the, the troubles, you know, the not to invoke the Irish uh, Catholic Protestant, you know, <laughs> troubles, but like before the troubles in the economy. Um, those, yeah, those things. Those the, yeah, the, yeah, before the weirdness and, and, and all that, the, the kind of things that we used to be able to do, uh, it was entirely conceivable that we'd do a presentation in the Netherlands, see some tulips, and then go see the cherry blossoms in Japan <laughs> in the same week, you know? And now it's like, you know, yeah, just glad to be on, on the internet. Maybe you'll see some cherry blossoms in India, because you go from... Netherlands to India or somewhere. I don't know, maybe somewhere between there, but I mean, it's, you know, India's, it's Asia, but it's definitely not the same as like East Asia in terms of like time to fly there. It's a, it's an, it's like going from, it's, it's longer than going from like California to New York, you know, it's a long. So are you going to Amsterdam and then straight to India? I will. So you go back because that, that Uh, would cut off a bit if you could. Yeah, it would cut off a huge chunk of it. I'm going to do 20 hours of extra fly, flying just for austerity purposes. Just so right? you can say hi to the, the fam. Well, yeah. And also because, you know, we didn't know how these tickets were going to line up. So I had to like, I just, I took any ticket I could get anywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just been the things I do for community, you know? Right. It's because we, we love these developers that we get to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Simon, you know, you remember our friend Simon Maple? Yeah. Uh, I didn't mean to put it like that. He's still very much alive. I didn't, like, there's no reason you shouldn't remember Yeah, him. I don't remember him. Yeah. I, I know him, Simon it's Maple. Like, it's not like it, it's not like he faded away or whatever. He's still awesome. And um, he's over there at Snick doing cool Snicky things and, you know. Snick is also the sound that Wolverine's claws made. Oh. When they pop the claws, there's that yeah. sound. Huh. Now it's not about. I had that. no idea they named the company company after that, but I don't think they did. But I, they should have. They anyway, should've. so he, Simon Maple put it best uh, years ago. He did a tweet, and I wish I could find it. Whatever, it's, it's something like he was just drinking this miserable hotel coffee, and it had spilled or whatever. And it was something like you know they say travel is going to be so glamorous, and you know he, like, he was, he was kvetching. He was moaning about how he had had miserable hotel. Continental, continental food and crappy coffee and it was exhausted and you know yeah, I, I think about that a lot because if you're if you're just kind of in the slog in the in going through the muck of like getting from point a to point b that's no fun yeah like yeah. getting there is fun but the the actual business of being transported uh, from place to place on the planet that's yeah 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 
I, you know, it's funny because I, I remember I was on a flight like kind of early in my Adobe evangelism days, like when I was, you know, just getting started with the business travel, regular business travel stuff. And I, I don't know if I was frustrated or somebody else was frustrated or whatever. And there was this guy sitting next to me and he was just happy as a clam. You could tell he was a business traveler. And I was like, how are you so happy? You know, yeah, he's like, he's like, after a while, you just get numb to it, and then you just <laughs> relax into the chaos and the uncomfort of travel. And once you do that, just no matter what happens, delays, you know, somebody with their elbow in your side on a flight, you're oh. like, you're like, it is what it is, and oh, it sure beats walking. It sure yeah. beats walking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Louis C.K. thing on on you're in a chair in the sky. Such yeah. a good bit because it's so like miracle. he's like you know back in the day we would have been in a covered wagon like half of us would have died on the <laughs> way there and now we yeah. just get on a plane and go anywhere in the world. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is a freaking miracle. And now we have Wi-Fi most of the time, and it's oh, like it's yeah, yeah, heck yeah, that's a great point. I should. I had. Do you remember the days when we had status? That so I don't know about you, but my status has died. Uh, uh, and so um, I luckily somehow got one k again. So I'm still one k, but that's yeah, not status. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. like global services, the yeah. good stuff where they treat you yeah, like they yeah, care. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I have the one k, and that's you know they they don't laugh at you directly when you ask to be upgraded. You right. know. Yeah. They, Wait until you hang up. That's the yeah, fattest you get yeah, there. Yeah, um, after you walk away, they snicker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like bottom of the list. Um, but uh, but no, I have so I have one K. And uh, are you a two million miler? I'm close. I'm I'm like 150 thousand miles away. So at my current rate, that's going to take a while. Yeah. But but I do have to get to to two million in my life. Because then you'll be like uh, platinum forever, right? Like that'll platinum be platinum forever. I'm, but but then I'm going to be like I should get to three million so I can be one k forever. I want to be one k forever, but that's you know I'm I'm gold forever. I'm a one million miner as of like years ago. I, actually, I got it like a year and a half or two years before the pandemic, and so yeah, I was making good progress. And then Bupkis, you know, yeah, um, Bupkis, uh, you know. And for people who don't know, million milers, it's not that he and I have flown a million because that's easy, right? A million miles when you're flying at any kind of two to three hundred a we year, were. yeah. But yeah, that's easy. It's a million only on United. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's what they're asking. Is like, have you gotten a million miles only on United? Which is, if you're like he and I were doing, you and I were doing, you know, like China and, and India and all these yeah. places, all you know, all around the world, man. Japan, uh, you know, Netherlands yeah. and all that stuff. That's not all United. That's all like. Oh, I would, I would like almost always do United just to just for the status thing, which which was sometimes significantly more expensive but I'm like yeah i'm not i'm yeah well so, i mean like, let's say you got to like france oh, yeah. and you need to go to like germany You're, there's no united flight there right, right? yeah yeah tons missing, of missing out on on those partner jumps right. and those are huge and those yeah. a lot of times especially with our trips like we like you go out and then you connect with a bunch you have a bunch of things in a row so you wouldn't go yeah. home you just yeah. stay out right yeah and uh, and all out. that was like invisible to your 1 million miler goals. Yeah, true. Well, it's a lot harder than it sounds. Uh, you know, you think it'd yeah. be easy, but it's painful. Yeah. So yeah, you're saying it's, you got 150,000. That'll be, that'll be a stretch, especially at the rate we're going. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be well. Uh, anyway. So yeah, anyway, we're gonna be next week, Kotlin Conf, we're going to be there. Yeah. 
taking United. I think. Yeah. 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 I'll be on United. Gonna... I got a direct Denver to Frankfurt flight, and then I'll hop from Frankfurt over. But, but Denver Frankfurt on United, it's amazing. That's most of it. Yeah. And some st- I, I I I think I got premium plus, like I said, on one of them, and you know it's. That's enough to stretch my legs out at least. I'm I'm shorter yeah. than you are by a, a, a lot, you know. So uh, for me, that's okay. Yeah. I don't envy the falls, but uh, you know, I I I'm gonna go to the Netherlands. I'll, I'll see you. Uh, this I haven't been there, and I don't think I've been to the Netherlands in. Uh, I got since. to I got to go to Amsterdam like two or three times last year. It was wow. great because there was just like, for some reason, most of my travel last year, which wasn't a lot, but most of it was to Amsterdam. I was like, sweet. Great. Sign me up. Yeah. yeah. It could be way worse. Yeah. Like, yeah. There was like, I don't remember what the conference was, but they had a speaker dinner on a boat going through the canals. It was delightful. Oh, yeah. That's dope. I want to do that. That sounds like a good old time. Isn't KubeCon sometime soon? When's oh, the next KubeCon? Uh, do you remember... And when you and I would do demos and you were like, hey, let's, let's, let's use Google Cloud Run. And we'd all laugh because it was good. But, uh, you know, yeah. now, we're, now we're like above the stack a little bit. Okay, so 18 to 21 April. So in theory, if you wanted, you and I wanted to like prolong our stay uh, an extra minute. It's like I gotta, a couple of days I, after. Yeah, I'm going straight from Amsterdam to Texas for a little family trip. So that sounds like fun. Yeah, you know. Go hang out with the fam in like Texas. They're in Austin, so yeah, that'll be nice. I love Austin. Yeah, good you know, have you been to Laurel's? Uh, I don't know. What is it? You know Franklin's Barbecue, right? Yeah, yeah. Famous. Same one of the same one of the Franklins. I maybe it's the Franklin. I don't know. One of that the, the same proprietor uh, is a co-owner, whatever, of this other restaurant called Laurel's. Okay. So they have like some of the same barbecue without the crazy long five-hour yeah. queue. Nice. And they have like amazing drinks nice. and it's got an Asian theme. So there's like more spicy food and Ooh. stuff. It's delicious. Yeah. It's a, same delightful. barbecue, nice. same experience, much easier to get into. Nice. Yeah. And more, more restaurant, less smoke pit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's your, huh. it's a life hack. You're welcome. Just thank me later. <laughs> awesome. So good. Thank you. Yeah, so KotlinConf next week. It's going to be, oh, man, there's so much, so much going on. I've been organizing Google's presence at the conference. So there's a lot of pieces wow. to that, which is which has been been fun. And it's going to be great. There's a lot of cool stuff to show. So, well, so this and, is it. And then so, two so ta- exactly. I've got two talks back-to-back on Thursday. So you're nice, and then, Wait, and then another one. You got, you've got a good one, and then you got ours. What's, like, what's the other one? Uh, so we do ours. And then after that, I do one on, um, so, you know, Kotlin multi-platform is that way to take Kotlin apps and run them anywhere. And so on the Android side, they have added some support for Kotlin multi-platform, very experimental and stuff. But, uh, so there's a talk on kind of just the, the challenges with doing multi-platform because, you know, you're trans you're compiling to objective C for iOS. And so there's some things you got to get right. And then you still have Java when you're on the JVM or on Android. And so there's some API challenges that you got to get right there. And so anyways, that's the, the second talk. I'm just co-presenting that one and I'm not, I'm not the expert on that. So 
So your like, voice is already faltering. So I know, right? <laughs> Have some water. Um, okay, so that sounds really cool. The multi-platform <clears throat> stuff is super important because obviously Kotlin is a wonderful language, and I love it on the JVM. But, and I've been I've been told nobody's confirmed it, but I believe you know. Uh, think of me maybe as a conspiracist. I don't know. I uh, a conspiracy theorist, whatever. Uh, like I believe what people when they say that there are other languages besides the JVM. Uh, in in which to write languages. I've, again, I've never seen it. Never Other used it. platforms. Yeah. 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 Well, here's here's something cool, <clears throat> is that you can use Kotlin multi-platform to write like CLIs. So yeah, I know. And well, I mean, obviously, you can do a lot of this with CrawlVM as well, and and I've done that, and it's it works and it's cool. But there's also there's also this ability with Kotlin multi-platform to target just native native. Uh, Linux, Mac, Windows apps, whatever. And so I've played with that a bit, and it's it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's that's just it, right? You can. Are you talking about Kotlin native for the Windows? Yeah, and Kotlin stuff? native. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. That stuff is like, I love it. And then is your buddy uh, Sebastian Deleuze just showed off the Kotlin Wasm stuff at Wasm.io last week, and it's that's really interesting. There's some really fun stuff happening there too. So the the what? Okay, let's talk about that in a second because I yeah I want to like this. this uh, not, well, okay, first, actually, we just got a question. Do you know uh, from Thomas? He's he's a uh, he's awesome. He's Hi, he's asking, James. Do you know? Uh, here, let me just put it on the screen. James, do you know if there is a way to compile a Kotlin file inside of a normal Spring Boot application into JavaScript at build time? At build time, Kotlin file Wait, inside of normal Spring. So the challenge okay. with with Kotlin multi-platform is that it has to be all Kotlin all the way down. To be able to be to take advantage of Kotlin multi-platform, so what you can do is take just your Kotlin code and compile that down to JavaScript or Wasm or whatever target you want. But because Spring Boot is written in Java, there's not a good way to take that particular piece of dependencies and and have them be compiled down to JavaScript. Um, there is some tooling out there from Google actually uh, that does this um, Java transpilation to JavaScript. It's called um, J2CL, Java to Closure. Closure is not the JVM closure. It is a like subset of JavaScript. And so you you may, I think I've seen actually some experiments of people doing things that way. So I would say technically possible, but maybe some challenges around that. Uh, there, in Kotlin multi-platform, there is this cool way where you can take your, your what's called Kotlin common code, the code that is portable across all the platforms. And then the places where you, where you then touch down into uh, like native code uh, for whatever native means on the platform that you're targeting, you can say, all right, those pieces, I'm going to basically define a, a common interface for those and then have the implementations be implemented per platform. So you and I, if you remember at DevOps in our talk, we actually showed this where uh, we we were taking a piece of Kotlin common code and we were reusing it in a Spring Boot app and in a Kotlin JS app and part of that shared code was using the ID annotation in, um, do you remember this part? So, yeah, yeah. so we had the ID annotation, which in the JVM is implemented with, with you know, Spring, uh, whatever annotations, whatever the package name for that ID is. 
But then we didn't actually need that ID annotation on the JavaScript side. So we just basically like no opt the annotation for the implementation for the JavaScript side. Um, so that was a way to, to make that all work. That was, so the multi-platform thing. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So uh, ground setting here. I, I, I feel like we got so far in the weeds already. <laughs> Kotlin is a language. There are implementations for the JVM. We, that's the one most people probably know at the moment. There's a, way to write code that targets JavaScript. There's one that allows you to target operating system and architecture-specific code using called Kotlin Native. So Kotlin.js, Kotlin on the JVM, and Kotlin uh, Native. And then <clears throat> the other thing is, okay, what if I have a, an entity or DTO or whatever that I want to share? I want to build my UI on Android, and I want to build it for iOS, and I'm going to use Kotlin Native for that. But I've got a back-end data structure on the server side, and that's using the JVM and Spring Boot. Uh, and and I want to share that data, that entity, right? Yep. How do I do that? And that's Kotlin multi-platform thing where I can extract out common types into a multi-platform module that can be shared across these different destinations, right? Things that target yep. JVM, target JavaScript, target WebAssembly, which I guess is yep. a target for Kotlin native, right? It's uh, yeah, I don't remember if it's implemented on top of Kotlin native or separately. Um, I think it was maybe at some point implemented on top of Kotlin Native. Kotlin Native, I think, uses LLVM underneath the covers. Right, which and is that the was, same clang. Yeah. So that was the easy way, I think, initially to get to Wasm. But I feel like maybe they rebuilt that not on LLVM. At some I, point. I might be conflating something. Anyway, there's at least four different destinations. If you write a line of Kotlin, assuming you're not using anything specific, specific to the JVM, specific to iOS, specific to whatever, there's at least four different places that line of Kotlin can go. Yeah. The trouble is when you want to use things that are specific to each of these platforms. So Kotlin Native has APIs, for example, for managing a, a pointer, since you want to be able to talk to an interop with like low-level C libraries, for example. So there's actually a way to create a scope wherein you can malloc memory, do something with it, and then free it. Um, in Kotlin JS, there's ways to work with a DOM, you know, in a browser, for example. And and of course in Kotlin JVM, you can just do whatever you would do in, on the JVM. So they're not, it's not truly, it's in, you know, nobody is saying it is, but it's not like you can just write a whole Spring Boot app and then run it in the browser or something like that, right? Just because yeah. it's written Kotlin. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got this multi-platform thing. So you can you can extract out the things that are truly going to be shared and you can type def away certain parts that need to be like no opt or replaced yeah. with an alias or something like that. You know, so exactly. in Java, you might have an annotation, but in JavaScript, that makes no sense. So it just gets burned away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. That kind of yeah. Sense. So it's pretty cool. It's, you know, I think as an industry, we've kind of tried this multi-platform thing a number of times and, and Kotlin multi-platform is, is definitely the best attempt at it that I've seen. It's pragmatic. It says this isn't going to work without some changes. Let's make it easy to do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, like. I remember, and, uh, and then the interop is is key because, like you said, like when you're when you're building a native app, you probably want to interop to the native system, and when you're building an iOS app, you want to interop to native iOS. And so, yeah, they've 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 come up with a way to make that interop work across all those platforms, which is fascinating. And you know what it doesn't remind me of? Uh, Day two me. Day two me. They had a there was a project that introduced macros, like like if def, yeah, for yeah. Java, like a preprocessor, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that was, that was definitely a lot of the, the attempts at multi-platform was, oh, let's just take our runtime to all these platforms or some subset of the runtime. And I, I think that that approach has mostly failed. I guess I haven't seen a, a viable, that be a viable approach. Yeah, me either. Uh, and, and I include Java there, right? Like Java runs just fine on the desktop. It runs just fine on the server, but it's, it's not going to run on my watch. You know, not well. Maybe yeah. maybe watches today, but you know, it's not going to do the embedded things that you would you use a native program for. Yeah. Uh, Ten years ago, you know, it's not going to run well. Again, maybe it's, again, it's gotten to the point where you can do native code with with Java. But I'm saying before things like GraalVM, you know, you'd be you'd be laughed out of the room if you were like proposing to use a full JDK in any kind of like embedded sort of yeah. scenario. You know, onboard yeah. a kernel or some, a chip or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, oh, I saw I saw somebody was playing with um, Kotlin multi-platform for Raspberry Pis, and I want to play with that a bit more because that would be that would be interesting. So is that is the idea that wait? So I don't get it. What's you? I can run the full JDK on the Raspberry Pi. Those things are borderline overpowered. You know. Yeah, but, but just think if you could be native, you know. <gasps> yeah. Right. Oh, because it's ARM. Is that the idea? It's like a. I mean, you you just you just target native. Raspberry Pi instead of having to have the runtime shipped. Right. Oh, that's it. Okay. So that's the thing I, Kotlin native is to me a better, like if you were to reach for C or Go or Rust today, you know, you'd, if you wanted to build a CLI or talk to POSIX kernel calls, or whatever directly, you'd use, you might reach for those languages, but you could more readily and more naturally reach for Kotlin native. Yeah. Right. That's, exactly. I, I lost weeks building something that I built a uh, Nautilus, you know, Nautilus, the, Nautilus, the old browser, the like yeah. the KDE browser, that Nautilus. The, the, the yeah, but it's not, window, not the web browser, the uh, the window manager, window, window explorer, Windows yeah. explorer, file, you know, finder. Yeah. Oh, Nautilus. That's right. Nautilus is the file explorer. The file. Right. I built a yeah. component that sat as a widget embedded in that. Right. Whoa. Um, and QT? it was is that QT? It was yeah, it was, and uh, they have G objects. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of Nautilus is GNOME, right? So. Oh, you're right. Nautilus is. I was thinking it was QT and Kitty, but you're right. It's GNOME and yeah, right. all the whole thing. Yeah. So they have this thing called G objects, which is basically C, but they have a convention and some preprocessors, so that you can think of these structures as objects that have method-like yeah. things or whatever. It was weird. Yeah. And you had to work with that. And I was just, I, I, today I would write, I'd try and figure it out with, uh, yeah, with Kotlin native. It's, you know, I think, I think you and I generally want to be as highly abstracted away mm -hmm. from the pain of things as we possibly can. I think some people like the pain of, you know, that low level stuff, but, but I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not a, a masochist or whatever. So, so I like to, I like to work in these high level languages and, you know, ideally I would work in an even higher level language, maybe like chat GPT and just have chat GPT or Bard, yeah. like, like, you know, I just speak natural language yeah, and then, you know, have that be my abstraction layer over, over gonna, all the, you're going to become a prompter. Stuff. A yeah. Oh prompter. yeah. Pr prompt engineering. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, Dude, I've, I've been exploring this stuff and, oh, so good. It's crazy. It's crazy. So we were we were um, we're writing this Scala three book. Me and Bruce Eckel and our friend Bill Frazier, and uh, it's been really fun. But we started exploring ChatGPT, and we're like, we're like, 
Can ChatGPT just basically write this book for us? Yeah. And so we're like, ChatGPT, write a Scala Zio uh, example of a race condition. And it just nailed it. Like, like that is like this very small niche of knowledge for people that can write that particular program. Yeah. And ChatGPT just nailed it. We're like, oh my God, like. Saved your day. And it's, it's not, it's like, did it, is it the whole book? No, but it's tangible. Yeah. You keep doing that and you're saving weeks at some point, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the example that blew me away the other day, and I, I've talked about it, I think, a number of times just last, last week. So forgive me if I repeat myself, but. I wanted to parse some JSON. I had a yeah. structure with a pre-built structure. I was like, I got to write some code to convert that to like job objects. And I, I just, I wanted to go to bed. So I was like, hey, chat GPT, here's a JSON structure with some data. Write a Jackson parser for me. Yeah. And it, and it did. And I was like, well, that's, it's just, how did you do that? What's yeah. the, it's not like there's anything, there's no kernel of, you know, it doesn't understand even what a JSON parser is. Yeah. It can formulate something that actually works for you. It's and it easy. did work. I just copied and pasted it, imported, added the imports that it, um, maybe it gave it to me. I just didn't see it. I just yeah. took the code that did the actual conversion. Yeah. And it worked. First go. I didn't even, I was like, okay, well, that's at least 15 minutes of dumb code that I don't have to write, you know? Yeah. Uh, so good. I'm, I'm so gonna... then there's this this whole other level to this whole thing, which blew my mind even further around this, which was some some crazy Scala developers came up with this way where you define your like Scala program, and then uh, you you expose kind of an API to that program. And so let's say that part of your API is get customers or something like that. Okay. So then what if you, instead of exposing the typical like REST endpoint to that thing, what if you expose a natural language interface to that thing? And so they actually feed in essentially the API to chat GPT. Then the way that you interact with your API is you say, I need to get some customers. And it then maps the natural language back to the API call that makes sense to do that and calls that API in the Scala program. Is that and the so, new ChatGPT plugins? No, it wasn't even through ChatGPT plugins. It oh, was wow. just this like, like crazy, it was using Scala macros and you know all this, this wild stuff underneath the covers. But it's like, maybe we get to the point where we don't actually have to conform to the strict API definition as we think right. of it. We instead just natural language interoperate with a, with a remote API. And it's like, whoa, that could be pretty wild. And by the way, you say natural language. I'm an idiot. So I thought natural language meant English. I, I'm learning Chinese. My teacher, my tutor, uh, she, I said, please, could you try writing? Because I don't know how to read and write. I'm just learning to speak. Yeah, uh, and so I asked her, "Could you please write something interesting? Ask a question of interest to you, yeah. uh, and, and, and use the characters." You know, it yeah. it responded it, flawlessly. Yeah, it yeah. was it, so you can imagine all around the world. You know, just being able to get 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 answers from these computers. You know. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I. It's wild. It's ridiculous. Entering yeah. a new era. It's pretty pretty fun. Getting close. I mean, uh, technologically, we're as close to Star Trek as ever. I feel like. Uh, you know, in terms of how we treat each other on the planet, we're as far as 
from as far from Star Trek as ever as you know. Maybe AI could fix that problem. Yeah. Yeah. If you have infinite access, infinite abundance, and so much of the strife related to want and uh, need goes away, but you know, it's going to be weird. It's going to be a bumpy ride getting from here to there. That's all I know. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to grab. I'm going to hold on to my AI as long as I can. The and there's even now like people trying to because it's not open right the the model for ChatGPT four is not open so I see there's even people like trying to reproduce it right? yeah yeah my understanding is that people actually have a sense of how to get there from ChatGPT three five which was open yeah uh, they just need to do it and it's well and there is an open source model that that is kind of similar to ChatGPT yeah yeah I some of those yeah so. It's a good time. A good time. I, I, I want to see what happens. I want to see what happens when I can start. You know, like imagine an Alexa skill or a Siri or an Android thing uh, where you can just you're 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 talking to Chat GBT. Like Alexa is great, but I don't want to talk to Alexa. I want to talk to Chat GBT. Give me yeah. text to speech there or a speech to text. You know. Yeah. Uh, and. It's it's pretty fun to watch. I've got a five year old and a seven year old, and they interact with Alexa and Google Home and and Siri and all that. And uh, and they get so frustrated because because the those uh, assistants will not understand what they're saying. What I need to do is somehow get them interacting with ChatGPT because right. I think they they you know the words that they're saying would would make sense. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And but so right now, if you want to write an Alexa skill. Those live on the cloud. Those are like APIs, basically. You can write that with Spring. If you wanted to write an Android Home, whatever, Google Home Pod thing, is that what it's called? Google something, whatever. That thing that they have that I, yeah. uh, I'm sure is great, but I don't use anymore. Uh, that thing, for the moment, it's hosted in the cloud, and it's available to people with the Home thingy and on your Android device. Yeah. But apparently, they're moving it so that it's more like so it won't be available in the home thingy soon, right? You, you won't be able to do hosted. And it'll instead have to be an app deployed in your Android device on your phone, for example. Huh. Like it'll be in, installed in that way, which is very similar to the way you write a Siri integration, right? So for Siri, I didn't say uh, my phone just... <laughs> yep. uh, uh, that is more like you install an app that has a user interface based on voice, right? So yeah. it's an app. It runs in that same paradigm of download me, install me, and then yeah. interact with me with some of the inputs that you are given. In this case, not touch, but voice. So I, I what I want is just somebody to write, maybe with Kotlin native, wink, uh, some sort of like universal, you know, chat GBT me yeah. thing that let, lets me do iOS, Android. Yeah, and, and provide just one one API that then gets wrapped with chat GPT or whatever, and uh, then can one, work with all the assistants. Yeah, just just so I don't have, just let me side, sidestep the series and the Alexas and whatever. I'll just I can I'll, I'll give me a skill, give me an Alexa skill, so I can say use ChatGPT, and then everything else yeah. is now in terms of that context, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fun times. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna be at we're gonna be at uh, Kotlin Conf. We're gonna be doing a talk. We did a talk. So people who want to know what they're gonna miss. Uh, uh, too bad you know this is not, yeah. you're not gonna i think it's live streamed i think all the talks are live streamed or something at Colin Colin. i don't know i think so wait so i, I can I, I can watch and i don't actually have to get on a plane and go there 
Because I just want to. You have to present, so you do have to be there. But you can do that part. I, I'm kind of. So last we we did this. You and I, uh, against all odds, we did this in Belgium last year for DevOps Belgium. Yeah, that was good. Stupid good fun. Really, really fun. Like uh, more like uh, uh, grins for me. uh, Just more joy, more delirium (laughs) per minute than I had most of last year. Right? It was just an amazing uh, minute in time. But. and that was because, uh, well, I, I like learning with you and, and, uh, the, the audience was cool. We had a great audience. Like that was, yeah, there's energy there. It's like yeah. coffee, but you know, not, yeah. not as bad for the cholesterol. And, um, so that was fun, but the, that was already six months ago, right? That was like uh, yeah. October or November yeah. or something like that. I don't know. September. It was, it was a long time ago. Things have yeah. changed considerably. So even I want to know what are we doing differently? Like what is, what are some yeah. of the deltas this time? What's, yeah. what's coming? Yeah, I mean, I think we were at the time showing some pre Spring Boot 3 stuff, but we were like we were we were using Spring Boot 3, um, but in a in a early, early preview or whatever. It wasn't it wasn't the official one. So I think a lot of the stuff that we showed hasn't considerably changed. It just now is like all real and released and, and all that. Um, the Gravium native uh, stuff that that we showed, we'll be showing that, but it's um, you know, it's all better. Like yeah. the the Gravium native build times have gotten a lot better uh, as yeah. well. Like like you, we we just ran this on your laptop a couple of days ago, <laughs> and it happened in like under a minute to like take our Spring Boot app and Spring Boot Kotlin app and compile it to native. That was pretty cool. So good, and it, and also we didn't have to. We we had some like. Uh, I think we even called them out as being like bugs in the spring AOT Gravium integration. Oh, we had to do like the manual type hints. Yeah. So we, we, that's, that's all been fixed. We don't have to do that anymore. So that's nice. Uh, yeah. So which is a, which is good because there's less work to do. Uh, we also had to do a bit of a clumsy jump from Maven to Gradle. Whereas I think this time we can just start yeah, Gradle. Just do Gradle. Hotline and Gradle the entire way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll still be clumsy. It's just, not because we did a jump, it'll just because, you know. Yeah. Well, and now you can just have ChatGPT write your Gradle build for you. So we should actually start the project that way. Yes. Yeah. Instead of start.spring.ai, just go into ChatGPT. Create a Spring Boot up for me. Well, I kind of want, I, I wonder if I could ask it, like, go, hey, ChatGPT, go to start.spring.io and generate a new project that has the following dependencies and see what it gives me. And, and like, and then tell me what source code files get created, you know, or something yeah. like that. Anyway, okay. So we got, so that will be better. Um, we did, did we do Kotlin native last time? No, I don't think we did. We did Java. No. Yeah, we did, we did Kotlin JS. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Kotlin JS. So this time we're going to, we may, I don't know, we'll see how it goes, but we may show Kotlin Wasm instead of <gasps> oh. Kotlin JS. Cause so I, I was playing with, with Kotlin Wasm a couple weeks ago, just to, just to kick the tires, see where things were at. And, you know, I was getting excited from what Sebastian was talking about. And so I, I created a like Fibonacci, super basic Fibonacci example, and ran it both in Kotlin JS and in Kotlin Wasm. And with no changes, it was like three times faster in Kotlin Wasm. And this is like this is so early days for for this tech. The fact that that already it's that much faster is is pretty promising. So, so amazing, cool. yeah. Like we have reached. A place where if we're not careful, our code is going to get better. Yeah. You know, it's it used to be with the Gordon Moore. By the way, rest in peace. I, that was 
kind of sad. He passed away. The Gord, you, you know, Moore's Law, right? Oh, um, okay. Huh. Uh, actually, it's been a bad few months for yeah for tech Gordon, yeah. Gordon Moore, and then of course our friend Bob. Yeah, so uh, sad. Yeah. Bob Lee. That's lots of good people. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, it used to be Gordon's Moore, Moore's Law. You know, you just wait yeah. eighteen months, and computers would double in processing power. And now it's like I don't. I mean, it's not, it doesn't happen that often that you get a huge manifold leap in, in in speed for hardware. But the software is just getting so much better, yeah, you know. Yeah. Compilers are doing so much more magic for us yeah, now. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's like these layers of abstractions are having less and less of a cost. That's good. So we had Jose Pomard on the uh, on the show uh, yesterday. Yeah. And he was talking. He alluded to some of the possibilities of value types coming. Oh, yeah. Not anytime soon, yeah. but down the pike in a few years yeah. or more or less. I don't know. Yeah. Can't say obviously, but. Uh, I don't know, and even if I did, I couldn't say. So yeah. the point is, we're going to have those value types, and that's a kind of an interesting thing. Is can you imagine writing a language as high level as something like Kotlin or Java and being on the JVM and being able to take advantage of, you know, uh, yeah, highly efficient, you know. Well, anytime you talk to Kirk Pepperdine, uh, which is always fun, love that guy. Um, he's like he talks about memory allocation being being this huge bottleneck in the performance of of systems and value types should make a considerable dent in that right yeah yeah and it's it's one of those things where c sharp kind of just you know i think c sharp 1.0 was years ahead of java we've certainly closed the gap considerably but there's still some places where you know, I really wish we could have some of that candy, you know, yeah, uh, that's good stuff. And one of those places, they, I think they have value types, right? They have, or when we talk about value types here, I'm talking about, they don't have this weird uh, schism between reference types and primitive yeah. types. Yeah. 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 Um, it's have that. yeah. It's fun. And, you know, and then we've got loom that's, uh, that's pretty darn cool. And, yeah, we should see if we could weave some loom into our talk next week. Yeah, so uh, that's another thing we talked about, Jose and I, yesterday. That was a good episode. Actually, that's most of what we talked about. Was that he just spilled the the tea on all the good stuff nice. in loom, super enlightening. And yeah, so Spring already has some hooks. Like it's, I mean, at the simplest level, it's just an executor, right? You just yeah, again the exactly. new virtual run a, a virtual thread executor. Yeah, yeah, and so for like. Like the single most useful place to do that for your typical web app babysitting a database sort of scenario is in the web front end, the yeah. web, web framework. So Spring MVC yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Easy. There's like a hook for Tomcat. Yeah. You just over yeah. you know, override the implement, implement an interface and then configure your Tomcat to use this third pool instead of that. And then Bob's your uncle. It's it's yeah. As scalable. All better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think back to the point, it's like these abstractions uh, initially often come with a, a cost and sometimes yeah. a very high cost. And then we we then can uh, can and do in many places optimize those abstractions so that, so that we reduce the cost of them. So, Right. Yeah. Get it right, then get it fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, nice it's cool. It's, okay. it's fun times. Yeah. The Kotlin stuff has... Uh, the, I don't know what what, what what they just released Kotlin, one eight ten one eight twenty one eight twenty was the I'm trying to remember the release. I remember I think just this week. Yeah, right. 
And let me see. Hold on. Three days ago. One day. One eight twenty. New experimental Kotlin WASM target. Yeah. That's big. That's the thing we're talking about here. Yeah. Right. Um, what does that mean? So it goes experimental. Oh, so this is actually, wait a minute. What is this? What is this? How is this different from what we had like a year ago? The Kotlin WASM stuff? Yeah. So use LLVM. So it, so Kotlin JS was transpiling to JavaScript and using JavaScript as an assembly language has some downsides. Again, those like abstract, cost, costly abstractions. Whereas Wasm, you're, you're just in the world of, of like assembly bytecode. And uh, so it, you get some, some good efficiencies there. Part of what was needed for this to really work was the, the Wasm crew has been working on Wasm GC, which is like garbage collection support in Wasm. Right. And that's what kind of unlocked these higher level languages to, to really use Wasm. Uh, Rust doesn't need the, the Wasm GC because it doesn't have a GC, but any GC language, you need to be able to garbage collect, obviously. So the Wasm GC right. makes that possible. And that that all like is, is very new. Um, it was it Chrome 110? It was on an experimental flag or right. something, and so this is this is all just like coming out in the last few months. So okay, yeah, you were yeah. Now I see what you were saying earlier. Now I understand. It is a new. So the the first bullet point here in the release notes is faster compilation speed compared to the Wasm 32 Kotlin native target. So I guess before, yeah. yes, it was Kotlin native, and you'd use that to go to Wasm. Right. Yeah. And now yeah. they're saying there's a Kotlin Wasm direct route. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't have to use LLVM. And because of that, you get faster compilation and you get easier interoperability with JavaScript and integration with browsers compared to the Wasm target. Because again, you're not targeting Kotlin native and the subset they're in. You're targeting yeah. Wasm. Wasm through this. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially so faster startup. Like whole new backend compiler. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then just more more efficient uh, bytecode output, I'm sure. Wow. And then there's more interesting stuff happening, like like in in the I don't know if it's near future, but there's um, the Wasm component stuff. This is something that Sebastian has gotten me all excited about, which is this like dream world where you take you take your Wasm thing that you built in Kotlin, and then you take your Wasm thing that you built in Rust, and you can like meld those things together through the the wasm component model so that i don't really know much about this but i'm like this sounds really interesting sorcery yeah yeah i love it okay i'm i'm excited i want to so the, yeah people can see this in the demo next week they could probably see it now if, if we try yeah we should definitely come to the if talk we get it all working yeah i mean <laughs> yeah it's not yeah we haven't gotten it working right <laughs> yeah uh, experimental <laughs> yeah it's all it's, it's experimental it could break yeah. Yeah. Right now, you know, it's breaking without us knowing. Yeah. Not even ChatGPT can help us. Yeah. Um, that's good. Let's let's instill some tension so that people have, like, they they're chomping at the bit to see if we're going to uh, succeed or not. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, and we might not. You know. That's are we going to save that for the end of the demo? Because I want like I want it to be as smooth a ride as possible for as long as possible. That's right. Yeah, we throw in the experimental stuff at the end. So you're saying we would build the front end and target that to Wasm, or what would we be doing? Yeah. We build a command line or something? Uh, I was thinking a little web front end, 
just in okay. front of our Spring Boot back end. Yeah. And we're going to be using uh, like a Kotlin multi-platform compatible UI framework for the browser? Uh, just the DOM. So yeah. it's, okay. yeah, not, it's not very sophisticated at this moment, but not yeah, we'll just, we'll just throw some stuff on the DOM. Okay. Uh, so. I can do that. Actually, I quite, can you wait, what is it? What happens if I do window.fetch? Uh, that's exactly what I'm, what I'm doing in the thing that we're working on for next week. It's window.fetch. So it works? Yeah. Well, yeah. Does WebAssembly know about window.fetch? Is I guess what I'm trying to say? Like, it does, because there's a bridge from WASM to JS. So. Oh, cool. So I can yeah. link to those types in my... So if I, do I get like full IntelliJ idea support here? Like if I... Well, you're just... A, you're living in the world of Kotlin, and, and Kotlin WASM has the DOM and JavaScript interop APIs built into it. And so... Okay. So you have a window object that has a fetch method on it. And so, yeah, you just call window.fetch from Kotlin. So then it's just all Kotlin that you're editing. And so you get all the wonderful things about Kotlin there. Yeah. Okay. So how do I... It's, it's all very early and and like it, there's a lot of unpolishedness to it at the moment. Right. But, but you, you, know, you can see the writing on the wall. It's going to get better. I see. So we've got, okay, so IntelliJ IDEA 2022.2.x, 2022.3.x, and 2023.1.x all support 1.8.2, which just came out a few days ago. Uh, And you'll see, uh, we'll all see, including me, uh, all of this stuff on our laptops, maybe even working next week. Maybe even working. Yeah. 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 Going. Yeah. Just- and there will be, uh, I think Sebastian's doing a talk on Kotlin Wasm specifically, and he'll show his uh, co project. I hope not. I hope yeah. Not. I don't know what time it's up. I'm going to go watch. I know, right? So we'll we'll give people a little taste, and then they can go to Sebastian's talk and you know see all the good stuff. Would you say that our talk will serve as a springboard? Always. Yep. Okay, good. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be fine. I don't know. I'd say we're going to boot people into the world of spring in Kotlin. <sighs> Yeah. So we actually uh, we're going to show coroutines because uh, that's magic, and I love yeah. coroutines. Yeah. Um, but w- so why would we show Loom? Hmm. Yeah, maybe not. So one of the things that that uh, people from JetBrains have talked about, I don't know what what the real plans are, but there's a possibility that if you write your Kotlin code with coroutines, yeah. Then, then at some point there could be Loom support where the it's actually backed underneath the covers by Loom, and so you get all the advantages of Loom, and it should transparently swap out. I don't know. I I think that that's what they've talked about. So, and then there's platforms where Loom doesn't exist. So like Kotlin multi-platform, if you're running right. on iOS, you're not going to have Loom, obviously, right. and so. Coroutines can isolate you from from that wow. piece. So you write to coroutines, and then and then it'll you know just work uh, on the JVM. It could use Loom, and then on iOS, it'll do whatever it needs to do on iOS. So so I think yeah, coroutines is I think still interesting in the world of Loom um, yeah. for, for a variety of reasons. But what we show, I yeah, I'm not not sure what 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 value we would have there because you and i like like we don't do anything blocking anymore and so it's uh yeah so we've already you know 
assume the benefits of of you know not not being uh not putting threads in weight states oh yeah i mean that was and that's actually been one of the really nice things about this whole i mean you were there a full half decade or more uh before i certainly but one of the things about this move to reactive over the last uh you know since 2011 uh was uh that we've already had to change our code bases to remove anything that would have been you know not great in the context of a non-blocking application you know yeah we had we didn't have a lot but there were certain places where we might have had like a synchronized block around uh, io for example or whatever you know things like that where you're just like okay that's not conducive to to moving the things along so that the spring writ large we've already found found identified and fixed uh, you know whatever bugs there were related to this kind of stuff so it's already loom ready you know yeah um yeah yeah exactly yeah and i think one of the things that we've seen talking about reactive for years is that there is a hurdle to going reactive and whether that's using like the the reactor apis or you know even coroutines it's like you're you're entering this world of concurrency and and things not happening sequentially uh and so um so I think for me, Loom and coroutines kind of make reactive accessible to a lot more people uh, yeah. where they can go reactive but not have to learn what a monad is. But does Scala have coroutines or something like it? Async await? Uh, it doesn't really have that. What what they've done instead in the world of Scala is they um, they will build libraries that do this stuff on top. So my favorite Scala library lately is Scala Zio, and right. Scala Zio it it gives you that reactive programming model, but it's based on monads, which are which are a construct on top of you know whatever on top of your actual whatever's underneath, and so. I I think it's cool because you can you know do all sorts of fun fun stuff with uh, with with monads and you know, all that, but um, but I think it's maybe not as accessible to everyone. Um, I mean, like our our viewership just dropped in half. You said right now I said monad and everyone's like, see you later. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, okay, but I guess what I'm trying to say is there's no. Does it still feel like you're doing something asynchronous when you write code in Scala? Yes, yes, generally, but there's this there's this movement uh, in the Scala community to use what's called direct syntax, and the direct syntax is more like coroutines or or like what you do in Loom, where you write your code as if it's sequential, and then underneath the covers it gets unrolled into the like async stuff, uh, the async handling, and so there's a, a debate happening right now in the Scala community about whether the direct syntax is good or not, um, because it does create this abstraction over the underlying implementation, which is async structures. But it also makes the code look sequential as you write it. And that has a lot of advantages because for one, like most of the time I can't get my head around async stuff anyways. And so being able to write it as if it's not async and then have it unrolled underneath the covers into the async has a lot of benefit. And that's, that's very similar to what coroutines has done. Is it so, but that's provided by the uh, libraries. Does Scala have like a AST transformation kind of thing where you can do that kind of pre-processing? 
So the this uh, the the one that I'm referring to is called ZeoDirect, and ZeoDirect uses Scala macros to actually do that unrolling for you. Okay, so, so there is a yeah. compiler. There's something between the thing that runs and the thing that yeah. compiles. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or the source code. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. Yeah. So just last night, we, uh, for our book book club, we're writing our Scala Zeo book. We started experimenting with ZeoDirect, and it was like, oh, this is really cool because now. I just write sequential looking code and it does the right thing underneath the covers to make it async. And it's transparent to the user. They don't, they don't have to like start a scope or something like that or whatever. You do have to wrap, wrap your sequential calls into a scope and okay. it's, it yeah, there, cool. there's some ergonomics to it that are not like, you're not writing exactly uh, the non async code. Um, like with the, so you've read the blog on, on the colored functions thing. Describes, and so, yeah. so that's, that's always a challenge with these things is that once you're in the world of async, you're kind of doing things differently. You're, you're, and then that difference well, yeah, propagates up, uh, yeah. up your chain. And so in the case of, of Kotlin, it's the suspend function that is, puts you into that colored function world. And then that right. propagates up anywhere you call a suspend function, then you need to be a suspend function. And so, yeah. Um, unless you wrap it into a blocking scope or something but uh the did you uh i mean we have async await we have suspend functions you got that the that the stuff that you're talking about the scope that's couldn't the i mean sure zio zio like handles that for you it's a framework concern at some point right yeah but yeah it's spring and, and the reactive stuff you have to do yeah you have to like use the coroutine router, but it's like a one line thing. And then everything else yeah. is basically as it was. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's not so a big there's deal some, there's some sugar that like helps you make it easier to deal with for sure. Okay. Now what's the debug experience when you do this unrolling? Like, is that, how does that feel? Like, um, there can be, problems? there can be like some challenges there. Like anytime you're debugging async code and, yeah. and you, you've lost your, your stack, you know, like, yeah, so it's um there's some challenges there but i i think it's one of those things where it's just that abstraction will will the the problems with that abstraction are just getting better all the time so yeah well and at least you can grapple what the program is supposed to do because you can understand it more readily because it's linear so yeah, even exactly. if your ide debugger isn't as good as it might have been with strictly imperative code at least you know what went you can look at it like assuming the the unroller is working correctly which you know we have no reason to think it wouldn't we have we can at least grapple with okay this code is supposed to do, be doing this but we actually wrote it and looks like it's doing that right yeah. yeah good stuff yeah does kotlin have a macro ast system not not like know. scala has scala so I'm I'm really yeah I'm really impressed with the the metaprogramming model that Scala three did, and one of the the fascinating things about it is that Martin Derski has had like many postdoc PhD students trying to figure out what the right model for metaprogramming is or a right. better model for metaprogramming for like years and years and years. And I think Scala 3 really nailed it. They, they've done a lot of really good things around metaprogramming. So Scala 3, I think, is the shining example of, of how to do metaprogramming well. Yeah. Uh, in the world of 
Kotlin, you can do a compiler plugin as your like like base level of of how you would do that type of metaprogramming. And then there's some higher level APIs on top of that uh, that are compiler plugins, but then give you a nicer interface. So the the um, one that I'm that I've uh, used and worked with a bit is called KSP, a Kotlin Symbol Processor, and and that one you can't. Uh, as far as I know, you can't reach into like method bodies, like the AST, the method bodies, but you can get information about the methods, their parameters, their return types, the annotations on them, that sort of thing. And so Micronaut is, they're, they're based on the older, kind of older version of KSP called Capped. And I think that they're looking at moving to KSP, but those are all just compiler plugins for Kotlin that, that yeah. do that kind of metaprogramming. Capped is also what you use for annotation processing. Uh, yeah, exactly. So CAPT was the the kind of initial annotation processor for Kotlin. Yeah, because it's got this weird, I mean, annotations in Java are weird. They don't feel like annotations in other languages. Uh, or rather, languages built on top of Java on the JVM. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like you, it can be completely interop-friendly, but for some reason, uh, and I don't quite understand why, annotations always feel like this bolted-on thing, because there's something about the way, the way, the way they're ratified. Yeah, on the JVM, yeah. it just feels weird. I mean, it's like it's a whole other programming language, basically, like in, yeah. inside of a programming language, and so, so yeah, it's a whole other world. A whole other world. That's a song that was, should have been in Aladdin. Um, okay, on that bombshell, I think we're good. I think uh, they're gonna kick me out of my hotel here pretty soon, so <laughs> I need to like pack up. Yeah, and I want people to come see the talk, so we can't keep talking. Right. Can't give it all away. No, no. And there probably won't be any Scala in our presentation at KotlinConf. So at least you got that if you tuned in today. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. The Scala talk was a bonus. and and this. uh... (laughs) It's not that you didn't submit a talk for Scala at KotlinConf. It's just that it's just going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. You're James Ward. You're awesome. You're you're the uh, product manager for Kotlin at Google. I suppose I should have told people that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I get to do Kotlin stuff, so it's fun. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, okay, good. See you next week. Everybody else, yes. thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And fun. see you next week, Josh. Yeah. Um, you're at James Ward on the Twitters, right? Underscore James Ward. <laughs> Turns out James Ward is a common name. So, yeah, underscore James Ward. <laughs> which, which is a... Um, the underscore is comes from the action script days because we would, you know, prefix kind of internal uh, variables right. in action script with an underscore. So I think that's why that's why I, I chose the underscore. Bill sometimes write Rhea Cowboy, you know, Rich and I know. Rhea Cowboy. That was my first Twitter handle. That was yeah. a bad choice. It, I liked it. It was memorable. Stuck yeah, out. But it just didn't. It, I, I'm. I have the same problem you did, which is my name has nothing to do with my name. My Twitter handle has yeah. nothing to do with my actual name you know it's fine all right thanks buddy appreciate you see you next week it's gonna be fun thanks A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. 
I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.